In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Well, I want to begin this morning, as we often do, by asking a question. The question uh, this morning is, uh, do you trust the goodness of God? Now, I imagine that everyone here this morning, just about, or everyone listening on the radio, uh, could tell me that God is good. We know that God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. We know it. But that's not the question. The question for you and for me this morning, posed in Luke's Gospel isn't if we know that God is good, but whether or not we trust that God is good. Whether we have a great wealth or whether uh, we struggle financially every day, do we entrust ourselves to the goodness of God? When we are faced with the untimely death of a loved one, or in the midst of illness, or things we don't understand, when we struggle with a temptation that we ask God to release us from, and yet the struggle remains. Is the goodness of God some far-off ideal, or is it a life rope to cling to in stormy seas? When Jesus' disciple asks him, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus gives them the five-point model that we have uh, come to know as the Lord's Prayer. It's a prayer of praise, hallowed be thy name. A prayer for the reign of God, thy kingdom come. A prayer for material provision, give us this day our daily bread. A prayer for forgiveness. Forgive us our sins. And a prayer for purity. Lead us not into temptation. And whether you follow the words exactly as we do in our services each week, or if you just follow that model sort of topic by topic, it's a good prayer. It's a great prayer. But none of those topics uh, would have been unique to the teaching of Jesus. The disciples would have learned in the Psalms, Growing up in synagogue, to praise God, to pray for God's reign, to ask God for His provision, His forgiveness, for purity. But what sets this prayer apart from anything the disciples would have heard before is Jesus' instruction to call God Father. And the disciples would have learned to pray to God, but they also would have learned of God up on Mount Sinai giving the law uh, through Moses in a dark and fearsome and fiery thundercloud. They would have learned that sin demanded sacrifice. They would have learned that God only spoke to a select few called prophets, and, and that certainly was no easy gig. And they would have also learned of lots and lots of uh, passages in their scripture, what we call the Old Testament now, that speak of God's faithful love for His people. But those verses are almost always metered by uh, God's judgment over the repeated failure of God's people to keep their end of the bargain. 
And they would have learned, the disciples would have learned, that the last time that God spoke through a prophet was about 400 years before they were born. Now even in that religious society, it's hard to think of God being seen as anything other than distant, vague, moral. To say that God was intimidating to the disciples, I imagine, would be a a colossal understatement. And yet, here is God, here is Jesus, praying earnestly, praying regularly, praying intimately. Not just in synagogue or at mealtimes, but any time that He can catch a few minutes. And He's praying with such affective, attractive power that the disciples... Uh, want to know how to pray like that. I want to know how to pray like that too. And it starts, Jesus says, by calling God Father. Call God by the title of the one who, in an ideal situation, knows you and loves you from your birth. Who looks after you. Who protects you from all outside threats. Who protects you from yourself. Call God by the title of the one who provides for you, who teaches you, who guides you, who disciplines you, who is on your side. The one from whom we derive our strength and our courage. Call God Father. And the disciples would have been skeptical at such intimacy with Almighty God. And we may be too. I know that uh, for a long time for myself, and sometimes still, uh, vague, distant, moral, and intimidating would be good descriptors of how I uh, viewed God. Sort of a celestial cop. For a long time I wasn't sure um, how or why God really had anything to do with me, but I did have some sort of notion that He wanted me to behave. But Jesus says that trusting uh, that we can have such intimacy in prayer with God as He did has to do with trusting the goodness, the fatherliness of God. And so He doesn't follow this prayer, the Lord's Prayer. He doesn't follow the prayer with parables about the topics, about forgiveness and purity, which is what uh, we might expect. But instead, he follows the prayer with with parables about the goodness of God. Even if your even your excuse me, try that again. Even your begrudging neighbor next door will give you what you need in the middle of the night. So how much more will God the Father, who never sleeps, to whom you always have access? If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, then how much more than God the Father who delights to give His children good things? Now surely Jesus pauses on these rhetorical scenarios because in our fallen nature we don't naturally trust that God is for us. But learning to trust His goodness takes interaction. And the repeated experience of His goodness. So Jesus says, ask, seek, 
knock. After my first year of seminary, I had a a chance to have a summer internship at St. Helena's Church in Beaufort, South Carolina, under Frank Limehouse, who I'm sure is listening right now. Good morning, sir. And not long after arriving, I was scheduled to preach at the evening service. And Frank asked me to show him a manuscript of a sermon, of that sermon, just a few days prior to the service. Now, I'd had a chance to preach a few times and teach a few times and uh, before this, and, and I'd always gotten such nice comments from people about how well I had done. And, uh, and so when I, I, I brought that manuscript to Frank, I was, I was humble about it, but I was, I was pretty sure it was amazing. And um, <laughs> sort of daydreamed that, Jesus, that Frank was going to recommit his life to Christ right there after reading it. But um, the next day, Frank came in with his notes. And what I had handed to him had been white. And what he handed back to me was covered in red. And my ego, thank God, uh, in retrospect, but my ego sort of deflated. Uh, as uh, line by line, he showed me where my illustrations missed the mark, where my theology was inconsistent, where my wording was unclear. Now, he wasn't unkind. Uh, he wasn't unpastoral. Uh, nor was he apologetic. Uh, he was honest and direct, and he was right in everything he said. And I was young, and I suddenly found him very intimidating. And for the rest of that summer internship, if I had a question, if I needed direction, I found myself looking around for one of the assistants. Frank taught me a lot that summer. I can still remember some of the things very specifically uh, that he taught me. Uh, a, a huge spectrum of, of what it, how to conduct yourself as a clergyman. It was a great summer. Uh, but I never that summer, I never really got over being intimidated uh, by Frank. Well, through a series of events, St. Helena's actually became my sponsoring parish for ordination. And so there were times where I had to call the rector from seminary. And I, I remember reminding myself, sort of pumping myself up before the call. And I don't need to be intimidated. I, I, he's, he's for me. He's on my side. And I can tell you that the more I went to him, the more I interacted with him, the more I began to trust what I knew to be true. That he was for me. That he was on my side. Now I hope uh, you don't think I'm being sentimental or... Uh, This is some sort of ode to Frank. Uh, He still critiques me hard. Tells me things like, don't use stories about your boss and sermon illustrations. But but what I used uh, to experience as a feeling of intimidation has matured into a profound respect. Because I trust, after repeated interaction over and over again, that he is for me. And just an illustration of a relationship where I had to, had to learn through that repeated interaction to trust what I knew to be true. And Jesus says, ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. He's your Father. Now sometimes... We're in great need 
We might need money. We pray for money. And sometimes God gives us money. Or we need healing. Or someone we love needs healing. And we pray and God brings healing. And it's so easy and wonderful to trust the goodness of God in those situations. But it doesn't doesn't always work out quite like that, does it? And so what do we do then? What do we do when we don't get exactly what we want or what we think we need? How can we trust God's goodness then? I think, I think that the answer is folded in the very last verse. Verse 13. If you then who are evil know how to, good, uh, how to give good gifts to your children, then how much more Will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? What we can be assured of is that our Father hears our prayers and knows what we need far better even than we do. There's a difference between our wants and our needs. Sometimes we think our wants are needs. And God knows better. Sometimes He gives us what we need, and sometimes He gives us what we want. But He always will give us the Holy Spirit. Always. The Holy Spirit, in those times of trouble and trial, uh, brings a sense of peace. A sense of confidence. That peace that passes understanding, surpasses understanding. A sense of calm on a stormy sea. It brings that peace that that we know that we are that God is in control even when we are not or the situation seems out of control. Somehow He is working all things for the good of those who love Him. The Holy Spirit convinces us of His goodness and favor towards us because of the cross. The very one who taught us the Lord's Prayer would go and die for us. As the pinnacle and as the proof of His goodness towards us so that we might be reconciled uh, to Him. And the Holy Spirit, in fact, is God abiding with us such that our prayer can be, as we sang just a moment ago, I need Thy presence every passing hour. What but Thy grace can foil the tempter's power? Who like thyself my guide and stay can be through cloud and sunshine. Lord, abide with me. The Holy Spirit is God with us, abiding with us, fathering us, teaching us, guiding us, comforting us in His goodness. Maybe not giving us everything we want. I said a few weeks ago in a sermon, I love my kids. I don't give them everything they ask for. For their own good. But they have unlimited access. Lord, teach us to pray. It begins with calling God Father. And it ends trusting His goodness. Amen.